And welcome, everybody, to the Pac-Man Podcast, Patriotic American Citizen. I'm Ted Flint on the BMG Network. Well, we're in the final few days of the legislative session here in Albany. And uh, the headline in today's Times Union, very liberal newspaper, reads, Crises, top last days of the legislative session. And what are, what are the crises? Well, they're talking about Roe versus Wade possibly being overturned. That's a crisis, according to Joshua Solomon, who wrote the piece, probably a Democrat. Uh, what else is a crisis? Well, I guess the uh, mass shootings they view as a crisis, and they are crises, those shootings. But the best way to deal with that would not be to pass more gun control legislation. Republicans have an idea. Let's bring back the death penalty. Let's kill the people who've killed these people indiscriminately. That would certainly be a deterrent to them. They would never shoot anybody dead again, would they? This uh, Salvador Ramos who killed 21 people in Uvalde, Texas. Throw the switch on him. At least you give him a right to uh, a a fair trial. Let him go through the uh, judicial process. That's more than he gave his victims. The same with that nutcase who shot those 10 people in Buffalo. Put them through the court system, and then if they're found guilty, off with their heads. Not literally, because that would be barbaric, wouldn't it? But end their lives. It's justice. And it doesn't matter if it deters or not. It doesn't matter if capital punishment's a deterrent. It certainly would deter them from killing again, wouldn't it? It's justice. It is a an appropriate punishment for the crimes committed in this in these cases. But Josh Solomon says this is a crisis. Roe versus Wade may be overturned. We have to do something about that. And then they, of course, then he points out the fact that this uh, gunman in Buffalo is white. A white 18-year-old gunman killed 10 black people. These are isolated instances of evil. They're acts of evil carried out by evil people. It doesn't call for more gun control measures. That's not going to stop another evil person from doing the same thing, unfortunately. But this is how lawmakers in Albany view things. They don't want to let a good crisis go to waste. So they're going to come up with more gun control legislation. You know, there's a breaking story from WorldNet Daily, and it it really, it's it's illustrative of what really goes on across the country. Most people use guns properly. And they use them correctly. They know how to use them. They use them uh, in a lawful manner. Now, Democrats are trying to erode Americans' Second Amendment rights to self-defense. But there's an incident here in Alabama that once again affirms that a good guy with a gun is the best defense against a bad guy with a gun. Last Thursday, two gunmen invaded a house in Carbon Hill, Alabama. They were shot dead by the homeowner who was armed. It's according to WIAT-TV in Birmingham. The homeowner was shot a number of times, and it was injured. They exchanged gunfire, the, the bad guys, with the homeowner, but the bad guys wound up on the short end of the stick. There was a burglary, and uh, the homeowner's recovering. He's had to go through surgery, but he's recovering. And he said, when I arrived on the scene, I noticed there were two subjects. Oh, no, this was one of the police officers, Carbon Hill Police Chief Antoine Cobb, told the TV station, when I arrived on scene, I noticed there were two subjects dead inside the home. They had on ski masks. Oh, good. They can bury. They can bury them with the ski masks. According to Cobb, another person who was in the house during the home invasion is shaken up but is unhurt. Again, from WorldNet Daily, the dead people identified as D. Wayne Turner Jr. and Clifton Embry, both 47, both from Talladega County. 
The Walker County Sheriff's Office said a woman who had helped Embry and Turner carry out the home invasion and robbery, she's been charged as well, but she's alive. A 54-year-old Paula Charlene Painter, charged with two counts of felony murder, one count of attempted murder, and one count of first-degree robbery. Councilman Cindy Killingsworth expressed alarm that such a violent crime had rocked her small, collegial community. You don't expect anything of this magnitude and this horrific to happen in this small town where most people are close-knit and loving, is what Killingsworth told the TV station. Several Facebook users reacted by decrying the terrifying crime spikes unfolding across this country. It's not just a Carbon Hill problem, home invasions, drive-bys, and so much more are going on everywhere, one Facebook user wrote. We know the world is getting crazier by the day. This woman, this uh, uh, Killingsworth, said that uh, it's a very collegial community. doesn't sound like it. Another commenter wrote, they got what they deserved. Even if they go to jail or prison, they will be back out to do it again. Not so sorry. Maybe if y'all would do something about all the dope heads walking the streets all hours of the day and night, this stuff would not happen. Well, that's true enough. But this, uh, the Alabama home invasion is the latest in a string of incidents spotlighting the importance of the Second Amendment. Thousands of times a day, people defend their lives, their homes, their property successfully from this kind of an invasion, this kind of an attack. Guns are used more than not for for good purposes, such as this one. These two punks came in and invaded this guy's home and they paid the ultimate price for it. That's what happens. This is what happens across the country when the left is demonizing police. They're soft on crime. They want to let criminals go. You know, no cash bail. Just let these people back out on the street so they can recommit similar crimes or worse crimes. These two won't do that again. There's a crime wave across the country. And this is how you deal with it. People who are law-abiding citizens have a right to defend their homes and property. You know, crime as crime is skyrocketing, Democrats are making, again, a, an aggressive push for more gun control. They're going to do this in Albany. Criminals don't follow gun laws. They always manage to get their hands on an illegal weapon. Isn't that funny? Not funny, funny, but funny in a strange sort of way. You can't stop them. The only way you're going to stop them is have the good guys are, be armed as well. I know it sounds ludicrous. It works. Look at Chicago. Talk about mass shootings. Ten people were killed over the weekend in Chicago. Did you know that? Forty-six people were shot. That's a mass shooting or shootings. How come no mention of it in the media? Ten people fatally shot because that's black-on-black black crime. That's why. And as far as the shooting here in Alabama, it sounded to me as though the, the, the two shooters or the home invaders were black. I'm not sure if the, uh, the homeowner is black as well. It doesn't matter. But whenever it's a white shooting black people, then the media highlights that, as this idiot for the Times Union did. Where's the left-wing outrage over the senseless violence across the country like in Chicago? There isn't any, because it doesn't fit the left's narrative. The bunch of race hustlers. And when the, when the shootings don't fit the narrative, they don't mention the, the race of the shooter or the race of the, of the victims. All right, on to something else here. Let's talk about Hillary Clinton for for a couple of minutes. TK News and Matt Tahibi, they want to know why knowingly launching thousands of bogus news stories across a period of years 
leading millions to believe lies, as Hillary did with Russiagate, doesn't qualify as causing widespread confusion on public issues, which would trigger a Twitter ban. They banned Trump from Twitter. He's still banned. For all the whining from Nina Jankowitz, this uh, disinformation czar, which never got off the ground anyway, disinformation is a real danger, she says, because there's no defense against privately generated fake news stories commissioned by prominent politicians who in turn hand them to the corporate press. And if reporters decide en masse to act like political aides instead of doing their jobs, the public is really helpless. That's what TK News wrote. Clinton was falsely accused many times earlier in her career. This time, she's guilty. She's guilty of sin. And there should be serious consequences, but there won't be. There never is for the Clintons. Look at her lawyer, Michael Sussman, got acquitted today. I mean, according to the testimony, all this fake news about the Russia-Trump Russia collusion stuff was started by Hillary herself and she's going to walk free. Nothing's going to happen. I told people at work, don't get, don't get yourself worked up over this, this Durham investigation. It's going to lead to nowhere. And it, sure enough, Michael Sussman, he admitted to wrongdoing. He was acquitted. Nothing ever happens to these people. They're going to be judged by a higher authority someday, and Hillary's 75 or 76 years old. But that's between her and God. Public health experts are limiting their recommendation on reinstating masking and other rules to address only those who are still paying attention to them, primarily Democrats. That's what commentaries Noah Rothman wrote. No wonder the number of Americans with zero confidence in the scientific and medical communities has surged to 22% from 14% in November 2020. And the mask politicking comes from the same people who fudge the numbers. The numbers that would have constituted herd immunity. They're a bunch of liars talking about the efficacy of masking. Masks don't work that well. Maybe 15 to 20%, according to studies I've read. There was a study out of Bangladesh at the end of last year. The efficacy of masks, about 15 to 20%. Now, it's not zero or 5%, but it's not 90 or 100 either. I see these idiots in Albany walking around. Everybody's, everybody's got masks on. Most of them are Democrats anyway. Fine, if they want to wear the masks, they're free to do it. But don't make me wear them, especially outdoors. You see that too. People riding their bikes in Albany wearing masks. I'm going to wear mine on my head tomorrow just, to, just because I feel like it. Anyway, uh, why has the price of gasoline risen to almost $5 a gallon? Well, Spectator World's John Steele Gordon says it's easy. The Biden administration, driven by the ideological fantasy of a green energy future, has hampered domestic production and exploration at every turn. Canceled the Keystone Pipeline, which would have allowed the importation of a million barrels of heavy Canadian crude per day. Every day, a million barrels of crude. And sent it to the, the Gulf Coast refineries. But that's not going to happen. How about the slow walking of permits for federal oil and gas leases? You know, I take a day off from work because I can do that. I take a day off a week. It saves me $15 of gas. That's 60 bucks a month. That adds up after six months or a year. Now, I have that luxury working for the state. A lot of people who work in the private sector don't have that luxury. You know, but what Biden's plan is, he wants to beg Saudi Arabia and Venezuela to release more of their oil instead of letting 
American companies drill on American soil or beneath the soil. We have more oil and natural gas than any country in the world. We were the leading exporter of oil and natural gas when Trump was in office. Now we're dependent on Saudi Arabia and Canada and Mexico for our fuel. Please, something's got to be done here with this Biden. I, I, you know, I don't know what can be done after him. It's, you got a comrade Kamala. She's a communist. After her, it's Pelosi. It's unbelievable what's happening here. You know, just one final note on the on the energy uh, front. I mean, what, what Biden is doing and what the left is doing is by design, folks. They want to reduce consumption. How better to reduce consumption than raise the prices? Jack up the prices on oil and natural gas and blame the oil companies. Say it's the greedy oil companies. No, you're, you're cutting off uh, drilling on federal lands and slow walking leases and permits. I mean, that's what's causing it. There's a demand. Demand is high. Supply is low. You're gonna get, you're, that's going to raise prices. You don't have to be a PhD in economics to figure that out. It's all by design. They want to transition. Biden said so last week. He want, it's going to be painful. The transition away from fossil fuels to alternate sources of, of energy, whether it's wind or solar or the rest of it. it. It may be painful, this transition period. Well, I'll tell you, it's going to be painful for the Democrat Party in the midterms, and I cannot wait. There's going to be a major realignment. There's going to be a major course correction in November. And maybe it'll spill over to New York State, to Albany, possibly. Maybe the Republicans could pick up a few seats in the Assembly and Senate. One could only hope. That's about going to wrap things up for me, folks. Thank you very much for tuning us in. Don't forget, hit like and please hit subscribe if you like what you heard today. Leave a comment in the comment section and listen to all our fine programming on the BMG Network. You can listen to The Ken Burns Show. Adrian Ross has a fine program. My daughter, Madeline, The Essentials with Maddie Flint airs on Fridays. And of course, this show, The Pac-Man Podcast with me, Ted Flint. Always a pleasure to be with you. And if the Lord wills it, we will talk to you in the very near future. <laughs>